Luke chapter 2, if you're not there yet, the second gospel here. Last uh, few weeks, or next couple weeks, we'll be sharing some messages here along our Christmas theme. And uh, so I'm excited to be able to share this message here with you today. <clears throat> Luke chapter 2, I'm going to begin reading in verse number 21. Did I say the second gospel? I meant the third gospel, all right? Matthew, Mark, and then the gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 2 and verse number 21. The Bible says, And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. To offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when his parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him after the custom of the law, then took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And I want you to notice these next words here. Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. They just were taken back by this man who had said these words about the Lord Jesus. Imagine taking in, really, what these two people took in at this particular time. I want to share with you a message from this passage of Scripture. The man, Simeon, that is, who I think had the greatest Christmas. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you for the blessing of being able to come together. And I pray that you would just indeed speak to our hearts here today, that you would guide us and uh, cause as the Word of God goes forth and is spoken, as people hear with their ears, may they also listen with their hearts. And may we apply that which is given to us here today, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Most of us are very familiar with the story of Columbus sailing on those three ships coming over to basically find a passageway to India. And on the way in that year, 1492, here it is that they discover the new land, and uh, it's a travel that took over two months' worth of time. They began early on in August. It's coming around October 11th, October 12th. Columbus had already made a pact with all of his sailors. He basically said, look, we've got three days. If we don't find land in three days, we're going to go ahead and turn around and go back. Now, truthfully, everything was at stake the king and queen had promised so much monetarily, and 
had basically made a lot of promises to Columbus that if you discover this, here's some of the things that I'm going to give. So certainly Columbus and all of these sailors are anticipating, hoping to see some great things. Well, after that day that he made that promise, a whole day goes by, no sighting, another day goes by. Finally, October 11th, coming into the night, they begin to see some birds, which for them is a sign of the fact that there's got to be land nearby. About 2 o'clock in the morning, October 12th, Columbus and his sailors, actually, it's one of the men here by the name of, let me make sure I have his name right, Rodrigo de Triana, looks out, he's on the Pinta, he looks out, he sees the white sandy cliffs, he then sees another array, a line connecting these two sets of cliffs, and he calls out in his language, Tierra, Tierra, which means land, land. Everything up to this point Basically, they're losing hope, but now they come to this place and they finally have hope that they have sighted land. That story reminds me really of what we see in regards to this man, Simeon. Before we get to Simeon, let's just take the first few verses that we read and share a little bit about this first scene of something that Joseph and Mary, the earthly parents of the Lord Jesus, did out of the Jewish custom. First of all, Joseph and Mary are coming to the temple, and they're performing their obligations as a Jewish couple would with a brand new baby. Now, we often find ourselves bewildered when we read some of these little customs here because we don't understand it. First of all, let me just point out to you that what we read in the first part of our text here today, these are ceremonial laws that caused Israel to stand out as a nation. By performing these laws, if you will, and obeying God in this way, it gave Israel a chance to let the other nations know their allegiance to the one true God. Now, you and I today, as New Testament believers, are no longer under these ceremonial laws. The Lord Jesus Christ, when He died on the cross and was buried and rose again, fulfilled all of this through His sacrifice there on the cross. But needless to say, we're developing and sharing about this story that took place before Jesus' death. And so Joseph and Mary, as devoted Jews, are doing what is expected of them before God. But there's three things as they come to the temple that I just want to share with you that they do. First of all, they had the baby Jesus circumcised. Now notice here, it mentions that they did this on the eighth day, when eight days were accomplished. That's very interesting. This is something, an act that God had prescribed to Abraham all the way back in the beginning, Genesis chapter 17, verse number 12. Now, it's very interesting here to note something today that doctors and others have taken observation of, that we've come to realize today that the eighth day is the best day to medically perform a procedure like this because of the vitamin K and particular protein that is present in the blood plasma is at its highest peak on that day in order to prevent blood clotting. Do you think God knows what he's doing? When it comes to medicine and science, God knows exactly and basically prescribed on that eighth day that this procedure was to take place. 
But secondly, when Joseph and Mary come into the temple, it was necessary that they present that child as unto the Lord. Now, there's a number of verses in the books of Exodus and Numbers that point to the fact that the firstborn child was God's child, and because God had ordained this, that the child was to be set apart to Him. Listen to this verse in Exodus 13, verse 2. Sanctify unto me all the firstborn, whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, God says, it is mine. But the third thing that's done as Joseph and Mary entered into the temple is according to Leviticus chapter 12, a woman who bore a male child was considered unclean for 33 days. So 41 days, that is almost six weeks after Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph come to the temple to offer sacrifices on behalf of Mary and to dedicate this child as unto God. What a beautiful scene it is, but that's not really what I want to go ahead and talk about here today. I want to get into the second scene of this man by the name of Simeon. It's quite interesting as we read this passage of Scripture As quickly as we read about and find the name Simeon, all of a sudden, he quickly fades away from the scene. It's been estimated, I've read some commentators and seen about what they've conjectured as far as his age. They've said that this was a a, a very old man, possibly 113 years old, very possibly. We don't know, the Bible doesn't tell us, but again, that's a guess of what it is. I don't believe that Simeon really had any very, at least the Bible doesn't share with us any specific role or duty, but I'll tell you what, what we read about this, he fulfilled a task that God asked him to do, and he did it with all his heart. This man heard God speak to him. This man, through the prophets, sharing about the Messiah coming, and this man fulfilling his duties in the temple, whatever they were, was waiting for that time that God would present the Messiah. And so every day he's fulfilling his duties, waiting, waiting, waiting for that time that God would show forth and bring the Messiah along. So he obeys God. And I'll tell you, that moment when he takes the babe in his arm, what a wonderful blessing to see God finally break through. And truthfully, we can see that this man, when he was able to hold the baby Jesus, he basically then said, I can now depart. That is, I can die in peace. He anticipated the biggest moment in his life, and when it happened, he could literally rest in peace. Have you ever waited for something for a long time? I remember when I was a kid now, as you get older, Christmas doesn't mean as much as it did when you were seven years old, you know. But I can remember growing up, my mom and dad had a tradition that they never put the Christmas presents under the tree till after we went to bed on Christmas Eve. Now, I'll be honest with you, we, we, we were up all night. We didn't sleep because we were anticipating what it is. And as we hear them bringing the presents down, and we can, we can hear the, the, the paper as, you know, as they're still wrapping the final gifts. And I tell you what, my brother and I, one of my brothers, we stayed in the same room. Two other brothers were in another room. And boy, we kinda, we'd send these messages back and forth between the rooms. What do you think it is? What do you think it is? 
And all night we're anticipating. And finally, we look forward to that moment when my dad gets up and says, all right, come on down. And boy, we scurry down the stairs and we go. And my dad always loved our face because we look at all the presents. We go, wow, unbelievable. This was Simeon. All these years waiting for the Messiah. And now Joseph and Mary come there that day and Simeon, that old man, takes that baby in his arms and now he says, I can depart in peace. He waited upon God and truly, I believe he had the greatest Christmas because he died satisfied because of some things that were evident in his life. Let's look at this man, Simeon, for just a moment and see how he lived such a satisfied life. Number one, I want you to notice, according to verse 25, here's a man devoted to God. There's two words that are given in verse number 25, which describes Simeon in a great way. It's the words just and the word devout. The word just, first of all, is a word that describes uh, uh, not only Simeon, but if you read in the book of Matthew, it is also a word that is used of Joseph. What does the word just mean? Well, another word that we see similarly used in the Bible is the word righteous. When a person is referred to as just or righteous, it means that when God places obligations upon them, when God gives them a duty to perform, they will do it before God with all of their heart, with all their soul and all their might. A person who lives justly recognizes those obligations and will fulfill those obligations. A just man will follow the Bible. A just man will heed the call of God. A just man will take hold of that which God gives to him and will do it with all his might. This man, Simeon, was a just man, but he was also devout. Sometimes the word piety we might use in our everyday language. The Greek behind this word devout expresses this cautious, scrupulous side of the life that is devoted to God. It may describe somebody who has a reverential fear of God. It may describe somebody who lives a certain way in this world because they know they have a duty before God. Could I ask you a question? Here's Simeon, a man who lives a just and a devout life, but does that describe you? How do you live during the week? What is your demeanor like? What are your actions like? What do people note about you? If a gospel record shared about your life, could they say that you are just and devout? Well, Simeon is a man who is just and devout, and therefore he was devoted to God. I want you to notice number two, he was deliberate in his look. Look at verse number 25. Here's a man just and devout, and what's he doing? He's waiting for the consolation of Israel. What do we mean by the consolation of Israel? The, the comfort that's going to come. What is Israel looking for? What's the comfort that's going to come? It's the Messiah that will be presented. The Bible says here that Simeon is a man who's waiting for this. The word waiting has this idea of anticipation of something. It is a looking for something that is special. And what's he waiting for? Well, I made mention here the consolation of Israel, the comfort, the encouragement that's going to come along. 
Simeon's not waiting for a particular period of time. Simeon is actually waiting for a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, no doubt Simeon's living in a tough time. No prophet had spoken for some 400 years. The people were under the heavy rule of the Roman government. Society all around Simeon was at a low because of the lack of morality and the spiritual fervor. And yet Simeon did not bemoan all that was around him, all of the problems that he saw, but he looked ahead with hope for the deliverance that was going to go on. Now, can I speak to some of you that are older in our audience? You say, preacher, describe older. No, no. I want to be on good graces with you. You determine what that is. But you know what I've heard from a lot of older saints over the years is they bemoan all of the tough times that we're in. Oh my, and I hear this often. You don't know what it was like when I was a child, how good life was, how great America was. We, we talk about the good old days. Well, can I say as you look across an auditorium like this and you see some younger people Do you realize they don't connect with those older days that you have? Those were your good old days, but they're looking for their good days today. And in every generation and in every time period that we've lived, there have always been troublous times. There have been times that have been caused people to lose hope. There have been times that have caused people to wonder, is this maybe the time that Jesus is going to come back? So may I say to you, don't get around the young people and just pine away for the old days. Encourage the young people. Live a life that has hope. Simeon, as a man who is very aged, didn't get worried about all that was going on, that some prophet had not spoken for a long time, that morality was at its low, but he kept looking ahead for the hope of the coming of Jesus. And I want to encourage you today, in the times that we live, are they not tough times? Are we not seeing things happen globally and nationally that cause us to have concern? I want to tell you, stop looking around, look up, Because Jesus is coming soon. So here's a man that does all this and has a look particular. Number three, I want you to notice this. He was dependent upon the Spirit. He was dependent upon the Spirit. Notice verses 25 to 27. It's interesting to note the mention of the Spirit of God. Three times... In these three verses, verses 25 to 27, it mentions here the Spirit. In fact, seven times there is a direct reference to the Holy Spirit in the first chapter. So the Holy Spirit has a very important role in these first couple of chapters. Now, I want you to notice something here, and I want to just deal with this. In verse number 26, it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost. Now, sometimes as you're reading Scripture, you read Holy Ghost a few times, but most of the time you read Holy Spirit, they're used interchangeably, and people often ask, well, why is this term ghost is used? Sometimes when we think of ghost, we almost have this eerie connotation. 
But I want you to know here, when the King James translators translated the scriptures in 1611, it was very common to either use ghost or spirit for this Greek word pneuma. So please don't get caught off here. Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, interchangeable terms. But he is, I want you to notice, the Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit is a member of the Godhead, one of the three. He is one that dwells in every believer and works in their heart to show them God's word, to show them God's will and his ways. So how did Simeon demonstrate the utter dependence upon the Holy Spirit? Well, I think if you look at verse number 26, Simeon's a man who got into the Scriptures and paid attention to the Holy Spirit's application. Notice the words at the beginning of verse number 26. It was revealed unto him. No doubt Simeon is a man who's reading the Scriptures. No doubt Simeon is a man who is in tune with God's Word. And so therefore, on a particular time as he's reading, God causes the words to jump off the page and God reveals something to him who wrote those scriptures well the bible tells us the holy spirit wrote them second peter chapter 1 verse 20 and 21 knowing this first that no prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man but holy men of god spake as they were moved by the holy ghost so that one who wrote the scriptures the holy spirit is now the same one who's helping apply those words right to Simeon. Can I encourage you something if you're a believer here today, as you read the Word of God, you're not reading some old, crusty book. You are reading God's holy Word. And if you're saved today, you have a personal relationship with the author. And therefore, as you read the words, the author says, do you get it? Do you understand it? And many times we're so caught up with our schedule and we're thinking about everything else and not concentrating on the Word of God, my friend. Put everything aside, read the Word of God, and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And on that day, Simeon's reading the Word of God and God gave him something. The Spirit's job wasn't merely just to fill men to write the Scriptures, but to help men understand the Scriptures. And that's what happens to Simeon. In Simeon's case, everything he's reading, all he had up to this point was the Old Testament. Everything he's reading all of a sudden came to meaning. It had purpose. And he realized it's all fulfilled in one person, Jesus Christ. Simeon paid attention to what so many others had failed to see. He read the scriptures, not merely as a duty to perform, but as a guide for what God would do in his life. But notice a little further in verse number 27, as Simeon pays attention to the word of God and the, the, the spirit of God reveals some things into his life, the spirit of God now leads Simeon on something. Look at verse number 27. Notice this. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. Now, can I say this? That as you read the Word of God, God's going to speak to you about something you need to do. God's going to share something with you. God's going to reveal something. So Simeon is revealed here that all of what he's been reading is fulfilled in Jesus Christ, one person. And so now he makes his way to the temple. He says, you know what? 
I'm going to wait at the temple because I believe that the Lord is going to be shown here. Simeon wasn't some weirdo just hanging around in the temple just on a regular basis. Simeon was listening for that moment when the Spirit of God would finally say to him, Now! Now's the one! Now is the time for you to go when he'll be brought to the temple. Imagine, out of all the times that Simeon went to the temple, God now reveals to him, this is the time. And he's there out of all times when Joseph and Mary come to the temple themselves. Do you think there's a God? I mean, do you think things just happen by coincidence? You know, we say, well, that was luck. Or that just happened by coincidence. I want to tell you something. There is no coincidence with God. There's nothing that happens by accident with God. God was arranging Joseph and Mary according to the law that they would go to the temple on that day and God was working in Simeon's heart and he listened to God and he decided to go and wait and God brought them together. Isn't that marvelous what God does? So are you listening to the Holy Spirit of God? Simeon's devoted to God. You and I need to be devoted to Him. But I want you to notice... The next area here about Simeon is this, is that he declared the Savior. There seems that when Simeon comes into this temple, to be no delay when he saw the child. Notice here in these verses, in verse 28, Then took he him up in his arms and blessed God. Now, I don't know about you, Mary being a new mother, I wonder if she thought, this guy's old. Like, is he going to drop the baby? I mean, maybe he was shaking a little bit. I don't know. But Simeon doesn't even wait. Goes and takes the baby, puts him in his arms, holds that baby. Imagine the one who created Simeon, is now housed in a body of which Simeon is holding. The one who said to Simeon, that I've graven you on the palm of my hands, Simeon's holding that baby in his hands. The one who has said to Simeon that I have your eternal security because you are in my hands, Jesus said, and now Simeon is holding that little one. What an amazing time. What an amazing... To imagine what he is thinking right now. But here it is, with holding that baby, the Bible says, he blessed God. Notice what he says. He actually says what he's been looking for. That is, God's salvation. Now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy words. Verse 30, For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. What was the promise given all the way back, beginning in Genesis chapter 3, verse number 15? Because sin entered into the world, God promised that there would be a deliverer who would bring salvation to all of mankind. So think with me of every character, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, 
Think of the prophets like Daniel, Jeremiah, Isaiah. All of these stories, all of these prophecies pointing to Jesus. And now Simeon, holding that little one, says, For now I have seen the salvation that you've talked about. Powerful. But notice what else he says here. He recalled how God prepared him for this long time ago. That is, notice verse 31, which thou hast prepared. This is God's working, preparing all this before the face of all the people. This is a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of the people of Israel. Simeon recalls the reading that that fall in Genesis and God promising a deliverer and all the way through God's preparing this. But Simeon's very much aware of who this salvation is for. It's not just the Jewish people. Because everything in the Old Testament that what Simeon knew, that was God's word to his people Israel. But notice what he says here. He says, a light to lighten the Gentiles. This Savior wasn't just coming for the Jewish people. This Savior was coming for the world. And Simeon here declared in this moment the very Savior. What a life Simeon lived. What an opportunity that he had. To come to the temple that day as he was led by the Holy Spirit and to hold in his hands the one who would be the salvation of the whole world. Those of you that are saved here today, I give you a challenge. This Christmas could be the best Christmas for you if you don't get yourself all nervous and bent out of shape about all that's going along but in this world, but you look forward to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, is Jesus coming? Well, His first coming is what we've read and what we do read in the Gospels here. This coming to earth, being born as a baby to a virgin and living this life on this earth. That was His first coming. But the Bible says that there is a second coming of Jesus. And how amazing it is that the first coming of Jesus had all these beautiful prophecies that were literally fulfilled. A prophecy of where he'd be born. A prophecy of who he'd be born of. So many prophecies that every one of them were fulfilled. And I want to say to you that if every one of those first coming prophecies have been fulfilled, what's to say that all the second coming prophecies will not be fulfilled? I believe every word of this book. And so therefore, I may from time to time get down about what's going on in this world, but my friend, I am looking ahead. I am charging forward because there's coming a day when Jesus will be here and take all of His children home with Him. So have your focus. Be like Simeon. Get your nose in the book. See what's happening Take all of the world things. I know you can't bury your head in the sand, but take all of what's happening and begin to realize that God is doing something and He's bringing things to a point of when He'll come. Jesus is coming again. And because of His coming, you and I need to be like Simeon. 
be a proclaimer. Let others know that the Savior has already come. And He's coming again for those who have trusted Him. But how about this? How about for those of you that are here today that are not saved? What a beauty in our last service last Sunday morning. We had two people who had raised their hand and said, I'd like to trust Jesus as Savior. And I talked to both of them. Both of them had testified of accepting Jesus as their Savior. And it's possible that you're here today and you don't know Jesus personally like many here do. You know about Jesus up here. Jesus is a historical figure to you. Jesus is somebody that you've studied a little bit. Jesus is somebody you remember hearing about in Sunday school classes and hearing about in church, but you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. You see, it's not whether you know Jesus with your mind, it's whether you know Jesus with your heart. Years ago, there was a little gospel track that was written, and it had this title, Missing Heaven by 18 Inches. That is, there's a lot of people that will know Jesus up here, but they don't know Him down here in their heart. Has there been a time when you've accepted this Jesus in your heart? The Jesus the Bible talks about, the one who came and lived a sinless life and died for your sins and who was buried and rose again and ascended to heaven and is waiting for that time when the Father says, Go! And He comes to take all of those who've accepted Him home to heaven. If you don't know Him today, today could be the day of your salvation. Today could be the day when you open your heart up and say, I know I'm a sinner. I acknowledge that before God. I know that Jesus died for my sins, that I can't do anything to overcome it. I can't live a good enough life to get saved, but Jesus died for me. And if you, by faith, would receive Him, the Bible says to all who place their faith in Him, become a child of God. What a powerful statement. I share this story a neat little story that I had come across some time ago. And it really had to do with a man by the name of Charles Eliot. He actually was the president of Harvard University. He was the longest tenured president. I believe it was from the years 1869 to 1909. 1909, he finally had retired and he went back up to his home there in Northeast Harbor, Maine the cottage that he was very familiar with over the years. One day in his retirement, he was walking down the street and he visited some neighbors by the last name of Peabody. And they had just had a little baby that was welcomed into their home. Boy, Mrs. Peabody was just so surprised that the dignified president, now emeritus president of Harvard University, was coming into the home. But there it is, Mr. Elliot walked in. She said, would you like to hold the baby? And he said, I sure would. And so Mrs. Elliot went down, reached down, grabbed her baby boy, and put him in the arms of Mr. Elliot. And he, he kind of oohed and awed and looked at the baby and just enjoyed that little time. And after a few minutes, he gave her back to Mrs. Peabody and she laid him down back in that little bed that she had for him. And as he walked out, he said these words. He said, thank you for allowing me to hold this baby. He said, for my life in the last number of years, 
I've been looking at the end of life for so long that I now wanted to look at life for a few moments at its very beginning. Far too many are looking at the wrong things of life, the wrong end of life. Get the right perspective. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, understand why Jesus came. He came for you. He came that you might have eternal life. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this blessed time. Thank you for the Word of God. This man, Simeon, who, who I just simply described, had the greatest Christmas, holding in his hands and his arms the one who created the universe, the one who has the names of each of his children engraven on his hands. What a wonderful story. Powerful to take hold of these truths. Help Christians to apply what they need to their lives and may it be that those that are unsaved would today be the day of their salvation. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed here today, you say, Preacher, you're talking to me. I'm not saved. I can't recall a time in my life when I've asked the Lord into my heart. I really do not know whether I have eternal life. I really hope so. I've really tried to work through some things. But I want to tell you here today that this can be a day that you can walk out of this building knowing 100% that Jesus is your Savior, that your sins are forgiven, and that your home is heaven. If you'd like that here today, I'd like to lead you publicly in a prayer. I often say these things, that these words that are spoken, it's not the words per se that save you. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. So you pray, ask the Lord some things, but the Bible says, and you believe with your heart that God hath raised him from the dead. This has to be something you believe with all of your heart. So if you're here today and you'd like to pray and ask the Lord to be your Savior, you can do it quietly right now. And I'd like to lead you as I pray this prayer in short phrases. Why don't you pray something like this after me to you in your heart? Here's the prayer. Dear Jesus, I realize I'm a sinner. I know I can't do anything. There's no works that I can do. No amount of things that I can accomplish to forgive my sin debt. But I believe Jesus Christ, God's holy son, died on the cross to pay for my sins. He died, he was buried, he rose again, he lives now forever. The eternal son of God. Right now I'm asking the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive me of all my sins and to become my personal savior. If right now you just prayed that prayer, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, I'm the only one looking through. If you're not ashamed of Jesus Christ and you now say, I know Him as my Savior, would you just lift your hand? I'd I'd just like to rejoice with you. I won't call you out. God bless you. God bless you. You just pray to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. How many here today, by uplifted hand, would say, Preacher, I just raised my hand here today. Preacher, I'm acknowledging 
I ask the Lord to be my Savior. It's possible you're here today and maybe you've prayed this prayer before. Maybe you're lacking in what we call assurance of salvation. I'd like to encourage you at the invitation. We'll have some of our personal workers up here or after the service. You can see me, whatever it is, whatever suits you best. But I'd like to be sure that you can walk away knowing that you have eternal life. Knowing that you have eternal life. Now, Christian, what are you doing to proclaim Jesus? What are you doing to share with the world around you that Jesus is coming again? Are you like Simeon, devoted to God as a just and devout person? Are you getting into the Scriptures and being led by the Holy Spirit as you go about passing out gospel tracts and sharing with those around you that Jesus is coming again? Far too many Christians are silent. Far too many Christians don't bother sharing that Jesus is coming again. Today, if you're saved, you need to make a commitment afresh and anew that you'll be a light to those around you, that you'll share the good news. How many would say today by uplifted hand, preacher, I'm making a commitment today. I'm going to do the best I can. I'm a little shy. I'm a little timid. I'm a little afraid that maybe somebody might reject me, but I'm going to do the best I can this week to try to share the gospel with one person. Would you just lift your hand here today? God bless you. Amen. God bless you. Hands across the auditorium. Why don't you come and commit yourself to God here today? Make this an old-fashioned altar. Kneel in the front, sit in the front row, stand in the front, whatever it is. Come and make a commitment to God and say, God, by your grace and by your help, I'm going to do what I can to share with my neighbors, my friends, my coworkers, my family, whoever they may be that's unsaved. I'm going to give them the gospel. 